Well, hello out there, you crazy rogues and hunters, and welcome to another episode of Star Wars EU or EU Review here at Fandom Talk. We are the Fandom Correspondents. We are your usual hosts for the Star Wars show. I am Al Mattingly, and I am joined today by the wonderful head... Editor, the editor, as I like, as I like to call him, of mm. fandom correspondence. We have Jacob Hardesty. Jacob, how are you, you you wretch of scum and villainy? Mm, I'm. I was feeling exceptionally scummy and villainy e um, right before starting this podcast, and so yeah. But I am doing very well in my scum and villainy. Well, good. You get the bit. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, if anybody uh, hasn't heard any of our previous episodes of the show, this is an odd one to start with, but I'm glad you're here either way. Um, this is a show uh, where Jacob and I um, discuss various entries in the Star Wars expanded universe in general, hence the name EU or EU Review. Uh, we talk about old canon stuff, we talk about the new canon stuff, we talk about comics, books, shows, whatever strikes our fancy. And today, this is the first episode we're doing where we're talking about a video game. Uh, we're talking about the old canon video game Star Wars Bounty Hunter. Um, this is a game uh, released for PlayStation 2, released for the GameCube, if anyone remembers that beautiful square hunk of joy um as fondly as we do um but this was a game released for uh, those consoles for ps2 and gamecube and it um follows the adventures of Django fett kind of serves as a prequel to episode two attack of the clones which is something else we've talked about um, before here on the show um so you can uh, kind of go through our backlog and find that if you liked it but um First video game we're talking about, uh, this is another old canon um, story that we are discussing today. So um, I just want to jump into it real quick and just simply ask um, my friend and compadre here, um, Jacob, what was your experience uh, with this game, if any, uh, before revisiting it for the show? Um, absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad you asked. Um, so I remember pretty distinctly when we got this game from Blockbuster, um, for the younger children out there, um, <laughs> Blockbuster was a magical land where you could go and for a few dollars, you could rent video games and movies and you had like five days to get them back. Rarely did you get them back on time, but, you know, that's just kind of the way things went. Um, but it was a magical place. And I remember we got this game um, because I, I distinctly remember the – I can't remember what magazine it was, but they opened with the line. When we were kids, everyone would talk about, do you want to be Superman or Batman? But in the Star Wars world, it's do you want to be a Jedi or a bounty hunter, which – 
I have never heard that argument, but you know, here here we go. You know, I don't know uh, Electronic Gaming Monthly or, or or original PlayStation Magazine or or something. What whoever it was that wrote that, I remember Django was on the cover and everything. Like they, it was the talking point. Okay, um, because what happened? Uh, this game is also twenty years old uh, this year, by the way, guys. Um, as well as Episode Two, the film was. Um, however. This game came out the following November. Um, I think it was supposed to coincide with the um, with the film itself, and that just was not in the cards apparently. Um, so yeah, I mean, it just it, it you know I remember getting the game and I remember playing through the first level. Like I remember watching Josh play through it, and I remember playing through it myself. And so I have had in my head, if I think of Django Fett outside of the film, my first thought is dead or alive, Miko. That's that's the only thought I have is that line, which is the first thing he says, uh, like in the actual game. Um, but uh, I remember distinctly where we got lost and sure enough, replaying this, um, I, I did it again, <laughs> um, but in the prison level. There is an area where you are supposed to take down three different shield generators, mm -hmm. and it is a large circular green room with all these different platforms you can absolutely fall off of. And I remember me and Josh had no idea where to go, uh, and for five days we just we just stewed with that, and just we were not able to beat the game the first time. However, fair just just a heads up and to clear any air on that, I did beat the game before recording this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I was hoping so. <laughs> um, no, that's great. Uh, I think we should have way more segments in the show where um, Jacob just kind of talks to the children out there about antiquated things th that we grew up with that no longer really exist uh, because that was great. Uh, I bet that's the first time Blockbuster has been described as, as a magical place in a while. Look, man, um, Blockbuster, I remember, I remember when it went down. I remember the sales. I remember everything. Blockbuster was wonderful. So, yeah. yeah. Um, no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you at all. Um, <laughs> Uncle Jacob... What's a landline? <laughs> <Is that right>? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no, no, that's great. Um, I did not have a ton of exposure to this game before uh, we decided to do it for the show. Um, I remember playing a little bit of it um, very long after um, it had come out. I played a little bit of it in college um, because just about everybody on my hall that I lived on in college had some kind of console from that <laughs> generation. So like somebody had an original, an original Xbox or PlayStation two or a GameCube. Um, and so like, um, there were a couple guys who, who had the bounty hunter game and like, uh, we pop it in for like a random, um, day of nostalgia. And so I played a little bit of it then. And so when, um, we revisited the game for the show. Uh, for anybody interested in, um, in getting their hands on this game um, without having to to um, to comb through the bargain bins of old PlayStation 
new games at like um, at pawn shops. Um, this was kind of like remastered and re-released um, for the PlayStation 4. Uh, that's the version I know that I played. I believe that's the version. I'm assuming that's the version that you played, Jacob. It was, um, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, I assume you didn't just have a copy of it on PlayStation 2 that you played. No, no, I didn't. But, <laughs> but um, if anyone is interested in playing it, it is very accessible. It's on the PlayStation um, store. Um, I want to say when I got it, it was on sale for like 10 bucks. I think usually it's like 12 or 15 or something. So um, it's very accessible if anybody's interested in playing it. But... Um, this kind of takes us into um, kind of the first segment of the show where um, we're going to get eventually to the lore and the story that's in this game um, because that's kind of what the show is about. But first, I want to just talk about just how the game feels to play because um, it is a video game. Uh, this is the first of, of the many Star Wars video games there are that we are covering on the show. And uh, Jacob and I are people who have played, you know, a fair amount of video games um, in our time. Uh, played a fair amount of PlayStation 2 era games, um, for sure. Uh, that era has some of my favorite games in general. Um, so, Jacob, as you revisited this this golden era mm. of video games yes um how did you enjoy your journey through um through this this django fett filled adventure um so for first and foremost um it took me an excessively long time to get used to the camera controls. We're going to start there um, <laughs> because they are invert inverted inverted. I think I, th- I, th- I think that's, that's the, it feels different. Okay. Sure, <laughs> that's that's sure. the best way I can describe. The, um, the trouble that I had with it is that you were able to go in and reverse the Y axis inversion but you were not able to do that with the x-axis, which was very weird. I don't know if that was the same experience for you. See, I couldn't. I didn't even know. I didn't. For some reason, I didn't even see that there was an extra options menu at at the front menu until literally I beat <laughs> the game. So, so I was just going just completely on default settings. Just here we go. We're gonna we're gonna see how far I can get in this thing. That's <laughs> topsy turvy land. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, um, but that was the first thing that I that I kind of struggled with. And it's, of course, I, I say struggle with in, in the sense that it's like, I mean, this is, it's 2002. You know, we are we are just what, like a year removed from GTA 3 and like other games that are basically defining the kind of like 3D shooter that's about that's about to happen. You know, um, like, I mean, so so from that sense, like I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm not going to like take off any points and be like, it's unplayable because, because it, it isn't, it's, it's a very good, it's, it's a very fun shoot 'em up. I will readily admit that. Um, there are a lot of things that I would do that I would do differently. And I would, the entire time that I was playing, I kept thinking, 
like man i would love like a modern version of this game where like like you get to you get to be amongst like crowds and you you're like actually like hunting your your prey and you're you're using the like secondary bounty mechanics only to actually mean something um <laughs> you know like every everything every time that I would that I would start playing this game my only thought process was man 20 years later if they did so many of the different mechanics that they used in this and just updated it with for like modern consoles it would be fantastic um you know like because there's just there's a lot of really good ideas in it mm-hmm. that I just Thing that I, I would want to see done again, but just like with more of it, kind of, kind of in the sense of like you know, Spider-Man Two, um, the, the Spider-Man Two movie game is really, really good, but Spider-Man Twenty Eighteen literally feels like it feels like that game only with like fourteen, wait, yeah, fourteen extra years of of development to it. You, you, you know what I'm saying by that? Sure, sure, that makes sense. Yeah, so that's like. So that's kind of my thought process on it, is, is I want this game only like with 20 extra years of development, basically. <laughs> um, the <laughs> so somewhere the the active or not not Activision, um, somewhere the LucasArts crew is just still typing away on code, just just trying to update Bounty Hunter. Um, the the one major complaint that I had throughout the entirety of the game. And and I know you're you probably already know that I'm going to rant about this because I told you I was going to rant about this, but I'm not going to rant. I'm just going to mention it. If we are supposed to take this game for what it is of stepping into the boots of one of the baddest bounty hunters in the galaxy, okay? Because there are multiple points where this is 100% like this is not a like. There are multiple points where this game is not nearly as difficult as it should be, and it is just purely a like a, a a fantastical version of just stepping in the shoes of a bounty hunter and just taking out multiple thugs at the same time because with your blasters. Okay. Why on earth do I have to watch how much fuel I have in my jetpack? Like in in between uses, like it's I I think if I had played this game before watching episode two. When he when Mace Windu kills him, I would have just been like, well, I guess he just ran out. Like, I guess he just, you know, he just he couldn't he couldn't get away. Like that that's that's what was happening. Um, you know, like that's the that was the only thing that I struggled with is there were multiple different jumps, multiple different things that you had to do with like different platforming elements. Like I said, with that prison where there's different platforms you have to go between, um, where like they even give you the jetpack booster. Which will, which lets you, <laughs> which actually killed me one time because it ran out in the middle and it doesn't automatically go to the next like level of fuel that you should have. <laughs> so I kept dying because I thought that I would have more after it ran out. But once again, that's a whole other thing. Um, but yeah, just the that's the only thing I really struggled with in this game. That's the only that's the only com- major complaint I walked away with was um was that the uh the jetpack just it it should just be constant like and because because there's like three levels where you don't even have it because you're not supposed to and so to me when you have the jetpack should be like oh hell yes i've got the jetpack let's go that that should be that kind of that kind of set piece but 
But we'll, we'll, we'll talk. I, I want to talk more about whenever you don't have the jetpack because it actually has one of my favorite levels in the entire game uh, with that. So we can. So we'll 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 move on to to whatever the next question is. I apologize. And and also, what was your what was your um, what was your experience playing this game, Al? Well, how did it feel for you? Yeah, no, no, you're fine. Um, I I enjoyed it to a certain point. So um, you've talked about it a little bit already, but the times when you are able to just go about a section of the map that is chock full of enemies and just kind of like roll and zoom around and shoot blasters and rockets and stuff um, at just like a, a chock full section of enemies. Uh, that's when the game's at its best uh, because it allows you to feel like you are like a, a badass bounty hunter um, who's who's going about his business, who's just classes and classes above all of these other guys who are trying to get you. Um it has a couple of like the charming things about PlayStation Two games that I love, and that um, there are times uh, that I very much miss as well <laughs> in like modern games. Um, for example, something that I think was a great um, design choice on their part was that um, with your twin blasters, um, you can fire as fast as you can hit the shoulder button. Yep. <laughs> um, which is an excellent choice. <laughs> because um, when I realized that, when like I tested it out after a couple of fights and realized, oh, this is like um, a EMC type of, of gun. It shoots as, as fast as I can shoot it on the controller. Um, combat became significantly easier because I would turn a corner, I'd see... I'd see an enemy and I would just like unload for three seconds and they'd be gone. <laughs> um, and that was great. That felt awesome. Um, there are parts, there are parts of the game that I think suffer from the fact that, as you said earlier, it hasn't been aged up to where, to not just where we are now with games, but it hasn't been aged up to what we've become accustomed to in games. So the example I think of with this is that um, several years back, I forget what year, possibly 2017 or 2018, I forget which one, but um, we got the remakes or remasters, I'm sorry, the remasters of the three... Spyro games from PlayStation 1. Um, and we got that as like a bundle of games on the PlayStation 4. And that remaster trilogy is fantastic. Um, because what it does is it scales everything up, not just the graphics, but also like the mechanics, the controls, um, how the camera moves, how your character feels within the 3D space. They scaled everything up to how that game would reasonably be expected to play if those games actually came out the year that the remasters had come out. What the Bounty Hunter game is, especially on PlayStation 4 um, or PlayStation 5, 
is that it feels somewhere in between. It it, it totally isn't a remake at all, um, um, uh, which is fine. It wasn't like advertised as like a full overhaul remake, but like it almost also isn't a remaster either. It feels more just kind of like a reskin. Like they just kind of like put a layer of gloss over what the PlayStation 2 game was so that the environments um, look better. Each of the characters have like um, a lot more polygons on their characters (laughs) than they did in 2002. But everything else about the game was just kind of like brought over from 2002. So you have a game that looks fine. It doesn't look bad by any means. At no point in the game was I like, I'm distracted by how the game looks, but it feel it still feels like a game from PlayStation 2. Um, and again, I don't think that's a bad thing, but when it's being advertised as like a remaster, then there's a certain set of expectations that come with that. And going into that game with the expectations of, okay, this is a PlayStation 4 remaster of the game, um, you end up feeling kind of surprised and kind of cheated in some ways because it doesn't play like a remastered game um, in 2015. That's when this was originally released again. Um, So... There's a disconnect there. So, like, it's a lot of small things where, like, um, the platforming feels really bad. There's a section of the game where you're on a planet and you're outside for a majority of the time. And it's like a tropical kind of foresty kind of planet. And at no point in that section of the game was I ever confident that I was going to do a platforming bit correctly. Like at no <laughs> at no point did I feel sure of myself that I use um, enough of the jetpack to float me over. At no point was I totally confident that the platform I thought was there was like actually there and not just like a weird kind of cutting out part of the environment. Um, at no point was I just like oh, I know for sure I'm going the right way on this map because there are things to fly to, but, like, things flying to on this side look pretty identical to things flying to on the other side. (laughs) And so at no point did I feel like I was really in control of my own destiny in that part of the game. (laughs) I was very much much a tool for LucasArts. Or the ghost of Lucas Arts to use <laughs> in this re in this reskin of a 2002 game, where I just jump and I'm just like, oh, the matter continues. I sure hope this is the platform that I think it is. <laughs> and if it's not, I sure hope I can get back. <laughs> I sure hope space hasn't somehow increased from where I began. <laughs> um, but um, no, overall, when the game was good, when it focused on the things it did well which is a general truth of almost any other game. Um, I don't care the year it came out or anything like that. When it focused on the parts where it did really well, which was forcing you to kind of adapt to a bunch of different enemies, a bunch of different environments to fight enemies in, it 
um, it was really, really good. It was really enjoyable. Um, the parts where it asked you to just be like, okay, um, you know, ask XR Coon to take the wheel because <laughs> because we we need you to fly from point A to point B, and boy, it sure looks like you can grab the edge of this bridge, but you won't always be able to. Um, those are the parts that kind of held it back for me, but um, overall it was fine. Now, um, I do want to ask you, um, because when this game came out and when reviews hit for it, um, there were a few things that reviewers kind of honed in on. One, one was, um, there was a large amount of parts of the game that were just kind of glitched to where you couldn't um, advance in the game. Uh, the character apparently got like stuck on a bunch of things in the environment. Um, I didn't have a huge issue with that. I don't know if that was kind of patched out when they did the reskin um, of this game. But, but one of the main things that caught a lot of flack was the actual bounty hunting system of the game. So I know I had my opinions of it, but I wanted to ask you, Jacob, um, how did you feel about the bounty hunting system of the game? Was it something that you tried to use throughout the game? Was it something you tried a couple times and just kind of gave up on? Were you aware that there was a bounty hunting system in this game? <laughs> what was your experience with that mechanic? Um, so, so first off, before, before I answer your question, I have to address a couple things that you said. Um, all good things, by the way. Um, one, um, I will never hear Jesus take the wheel as a song ever again. <laughs> For now, it will always be XR take the wheel. Um, just yeah. because that's, that is one of the funniest things that you have ever said on this podcast. Um, <laughs> The other thing, though, uh, you are absolutely correct when it comes to uh, Malastare, the 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 forest planet that you go to. Yes. <laughs> um, for uh, in two things that you that you mentioned actually, because the first thing you mentioned was how how you figured out that you can shoot as fast as you can hit the button with with your two main blasters that you get, which. I hope you have a question about the other weapons, because Lord, do I have things to say about about basically every weapon that is not the main blasters. Um, but um, but the Nexu is when I found out that you could do that because <laughs> for those of you who don't know, the Nexu, which we did talk about a little bit in the Attack of the Clones podcast, is the little white like demon cat looking thing that attacks uh, Padme in the arena in Attack of the Clones. Um, they are native to Malastare, so there will just be points where you are just hanging out, and all of a sudden, you get mauled by <laughs> this, like, white tiger thing, and because... And, and, and this was the point where I, I knew I wanted to make this comment. Anyone who is, who complained about Book of Boba Fett, how, like, Boba kept getting hurt, and it looked like he was, like, super old, and, like, he couldn't, like, move very quickly... He is his father's son, let me tell you that. Because if Django Fett gets knocked down in this game, like it's just it's just done. Like he he has already said clever girl and everything. Like like it's going to the next two is going to eat him. Okay. Um I I will 
that that was one thing that really annoyed me is that anytime I got knocked down, just I, I don't I don't care what had to happen, just it I was pretty much done entirely. Um, but Malister was funny because there is a point where, and thank God you hit a checkpoint right before this area. And I, I'm going to explain it as best as I possibly can. Okay, so you walk out of this of this little room. And you are staring at the edge of a cliff. And on the edge of this cliff is two trees. One has a platform on on a tree that has a little sniper that is shooting at you. And for some reason, your lock-on can't can't work on him. So you have to uh, manually aim. And then there's a Nexu right underneath him, um, which I don't know why he's shooting at you if a Nexu's right there. But hey, that's that's (laughs) the way things are going. Um, And you have to take both of them out. And then the next stage, you look straight ahead and there's a waterfall. And I was like, I don't know where I need to go. And then I looked to my right and I saw like on the horizon, like like decently far away, a little mini fortress that I needed to that I needed to to fly to. And the ricketyest bridge I have ever seen in a video game leading to it. I tried to fly to that thing three times. And on the third time when I almost got to it, I was shot in the back because what you're apparently supposed to do is basically make a jetpack U-turn to get to the top of this mountain right next to you where the sniper, where this like sniper's nest is. Okay. Once again, four times before I figured out that that was what I needed to do, which yes, that you only get five continues. So yes, that means that by that point, the next time I ran to a next two, I was done and had to restart the entire level. So yes, I just wanted to rant a little bit about Malastare because that part was really annoying. And I 100% agree with you on that. The bounty hunting system though, that you talked about, I'm, I'm glad you asked me about this because I, I wanted your opinions on this, but once, but I tried to avoid talking to you too much about this game before this podcast, um, which was difficult at times because there were so many things I did want to talk about. Um, but the bounty hunting system in this game, once again, for those of you who have not played it, and if you're listening to a what I'm assuming is going to be at very least a hour long podcast about a game that you haven't played more power to you. And we love your support. Thank you so much. (laughs) Um, But for those of you who have not played or if it's been a while, um, what you do for the, for your bounty hunting system is you change your weapon to select what basically looks like Django Fett's helmet. Okay. And what you're doing is you're taking the little visor down and you're scanning the different people that are around you. Okay. When this, when I first really used this a lot was on Coruscant because when you're on Coruscant, there's a bunch of people, there's a bunch of people around. There's a little like bar that you go to, um, where I did get glitched out and I ended up literally like killing the entire bar before, because I kept trying, I was like, well, maybe I have to like do more things to, and like kill more people before I can actually advance. Nope, I literally slaughtered an entire bar because I'm the worst um, and had to restart <laughs> my game. Um, anyways, we we won't talk about we won't talk about the uh, the crimes against me on Coruscant, um, <laughs> but um, um, so you have to go into this first person view and you look over every single person and it tells you their name, if they are wanted alive or dead and how many credits you will get versus on if they're worth 
Oh, uh, because there are some people that are just wor- worth money dead. There are some people who are just worth money alive. And then there are some that are that are both, and one's more than the other. Um, the funniest one I saw was that there was one that was like only two thousand alive, but like six thousand dead. And I was like, oh, someone is very upset that he is still living. So that was probably my favorite one that I, that I encountered. But um, if you want to capture them alive, you select your like grappling hook thing the thing that he uses on obi-wan when he's on camino um and you go up to someone and then they stand there very politely while you wrap them up entirely and then you go up and you hit triangle and they disappear forever <laughs> they're, gone. Um, they're, they're never seen again they're gone. For, um, forever they're gone forever <laughs> you know does just Django is just literally stealing people's entire existence out here um <laughs> but no you you hit the nail on the head when you said did you use it a few times then give up on it because because here's here's the problem with this, and this is why if if they updated this game, they could do it. There are so many small quality of life things that can make it such a fantastic game because my first thought process when I started playing this game was Red Dead Redemption 2, which I know and understand it is unfair for me to put anything against Red Dead Redemption 2. It is overtly unfair for me to put Star Wars Bounty Hunter from 2002 up against Red Dead Redemption 2 from 2018. But here we are. Um, what I mean by that system, and honestly, uh, Grand Theft Auto does the same thing. The Witcher even does the same thing. If you are not doing anything suspicious, I'm using air quotes on that, but if you're not doing anything suspicious, the enemies will not attack you. The moment you like pull a sword or pull a gun or whatever whatever game you're playing that that has those kinds of mechanics, they'll be like, hey, you need to stop doing that. And then if you start attacking them, they're like, okay, well, now we just got to fight, okay? With Bounty Hunter, the moment you walk up to someone, they they they, they, they are all the Danny DeVito meme. Just, and then I started blasting every <laughs> single one of them, okay? And... I understand you're Django Fett. You're one of the most famous bounty hunters in the entirety of the galaxy. And if that had been like what happened on Coruscant, I would have been okay with it. Like, like that makes sense that people would be like, dude, Django Fett's here. We got to, I mean, there's so much, there, there's a bounty on him. You know, we, we could take him out. Also, he might be after one of us. So we might as well as gang up on him. All of that makes sense. But for like me to just be randomly seen in like a random area and then all of a sudden like, like Tatooine there is no reason that on Tatooine people are, are just immediately pulling guns on me okay just immediately now that mechanic alone is what stopped me from doing any of the secondary bounties because I would lose so much life just trying to get these bounties because you once again you have to go into a first person view target someone which they do have a good targeting system like it show like you can you can mark them and it has them it hasn't marked the re- literally the rest of the level like if you if you leave him and then you go someplace else like there'll still be that cursor in the bottom corner telling you hey you need to go back and get that guy which I actually did like that but because it takes so long to get into that and then if someone comes up on you and then all of a sudden they just start shooting you well, every blaster shot takes, I would say, 
20% of your health. I, I, th- I think you've, you've got five blaster shots before you're dead, if I remember correctly. Um, depending, I mean, of course, that, that also depends on the, on the weapon that they're using. But I know that on Coruscant, I, I, would, I would count it out. I'd be like, all right, I've got this many shots that I can take before I have to get out of this and just start fighting back. Um, so Coruscant was really the last time I did it because I, I kept dying so much. And I was like, well, I just need to I just need to skip all of this because one, I, I will admit there was a part of me that I was like, well, I need to beat this game so me and Al can do this podcast. But also it got to the point where it's like it's not really worth it because they never tell you why you want the secondary bounties. If they give you more of like a reasoning like you can go and buy upgraded weapons or or if they even told me, which I had to look up the Wikipedia as to on to why you do the secondary bounties. You do the secondary bounties because if you get a certain number of credits in your playthrough and you get a certain, I think it's, um, it's not notoriety level because that, that just sounds weird. That, that's like you get a prize for being a bounty hunter. Um, um, I can't remember what it is, but basically your level at the end of, uh, at the end of the game gets you a certain number of concept art unlocked, which was a huge thing in the like you said that's a very charming PS2 era kind of thing is just you do this many achievements and you get concept art unlocked you know or you get like the the trailer for the movie unlocked or something like that like that's that was in all kinds of PS2 games um long before now kids I know you have to buy battle passes and you have to get you know DLC <laughs> to get extra things within the game um or deluxe editions to get all the artwork but in older games, you would play through the game and do side quests to get all those things unlocked. It was it was a very novel thing, trust me. Um, but uh, some would say it was a better way of doing things. But hey, that's another podcast entirely. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So for me, I just I, I I didn't do it at all after Coruscant. Like there was. Excuse me, there was one time where I was in a room of four astromech droids, I think on Tatooine, which that is the funniest thing is that there are certain astromech droids that are that have bounties on them. So like there was one where I was in there and I was like, I wonder if any of these guys have a bounty on them. And sure enough, one of them did. And I was like, this is incredible. This is once again, when it's good, it's good. <laughs> so so yeah, <laughs> but I, I barely used it after the I think Coruscant's the second level. Gotcha. I mean, like, hey, I've I've seen all the adventures um, that <laughs> that Hopper the astromech droid has been on, and it surprises me not a bit that <laughs> that astromech <laughs> droids have bounties on them. Fair, fair point. This doesn't surprise me whatsoever. <laughs> Actually, I kind of wish that that was an episode um, in Star Wars Rebels about just like you know. Um, that's like Cad Bane, who just like comes to collect a bounty, and everybody assumes it's on like it's on Kanan or Sabine or something, and then and then he's just like, no, I'm here for that, I'm here for that astromech droid. <laughs> he's he's killed slews of imperial agents. <laughs> um, but um, um, no, no, I. I agree. I had a similar kind of experience. I kept trying to give it a chance, um, the bounty hunting system, because I was just like, well, you know, I'm playing a game called, you know, called Star Wars Bounty Hunter, where I'm playing 
like supposedly the best bounty hunter in the galaxy. I want to try to be a bounty hunter while I play this game. Um, and so I kept trying it. Um, there was one point pretty late into the game. It wasn't in the last chapter. I think it was in the second to last chapter where I'm going around, I'm playing this game and nobody's seen me yet. So like I put my helmet down. I like, I do the scanner and stuff. And, um, I think a detail that Jacob may have left out here is that like, it's not like anybody who falls within the full screen of your helmet like pops up as a potential bounty if there's a bounty on their head it's that whoever you had your crosshair over will show up if they're a bounty or not and if your crosshair just goes like slightly outside their hitbox then it's just gone and you can't park them as a bounty and so i got to this part late in the game where i was just like you know what there's a bunch of people in here i'm gonna see if i can like grab a bounty real quick and stuff. I haven't done that in a while. And so I go to my helmet. I like zoom in on a couple people and I zoom in on one. I'm just like, ha perfect. And I arc him, which apparently, as you said, like I took kind of a different understanding from this where I was just like, wow, people in the Star Wars galaxy um, pre-Clone Wars were just racist as hell against Mandalorians. Because as soon as I was seen in a public place, like six people just drew their weapons and started blasting at me. And so, and so I'm in this situation, like six guys are shooting at me. And my bounty just runs, <laughs> which is a very reasonable thing to do <laughs> in this situation, to be completely honest. And they're just gone. And I'm just like, oh, shoot, because it was one where, like, they paid out um, only if you brought them in alive. And so I was just like, oh, shoot, I have to go in and find that guy. And as I go to chase him, just – and this happens throughout the game – just droves of people emerge. Like, it was <laughs> – it was insane. It's like it's like dropping a piece of fried chicken on the ground and just like you find out, oh, there were 18 anthills just on the ground, just converging <laughs> on this piece of chicken. <laughs> and Django Fett was the um, delicious piece of fried chicken. And as as he would usually be. And just droves of people came out. And I was just like, there's no way I'm going to do this. Maybe if I save this guy for last. So I go through and I, I, I shoot back at a bunch of dudes and I'm clearing out enemies. And this, this bounty somehow just gets it in his head that he's just like, hey, that Trandoshan is shooting that guy who saw me. Um, I'm I'm going to take one for the team. And just, like, almost dives, which isn't a thing that, like, character models in this game can do, but almost just dives in front of my blasters to save this random Trandoshan. <laughs> and I'm just like, why? I did everything for you. <laughs> and it was heartbreaking. And that's something that, like, I kind of... I do kind of have to hold against the game for a couple of reasons, because one, as I said, this is a game called Star Wars Bounty Hunter. 
And possibly the worst designed thing in the game is the system that allows you to hunt for bounties. Yeah. <laughs> and so Fair. that and so that was frustrating. Also, um, just the weird system where it gives you credits and. Not only does it give you the credits for when you actually do it, it at the end of each level, it'll essentially tell you how you did, which is like a very, very true of like earlier video games. It'll give you a summary of how you did, and it doesn't give you the, it doesn't give you a grade or anything. It doesn't give you like S or C or anything like that. It just says, oh, wow, nice, you did it, I guess. <laughs> because, you, because you managed to catch two of potential 27 bounties that were in this level. And I'm just like, you're lying. There weren't 27 people in this game. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? There's 27 bounties in this level. And so it actively like discourages you. It's just like, oh, oh, you caught some bounties? Mm, that's nice. Guess you'll have to come back and play through the game again because there's 20 more that you missed. Yep. I'm just like, bro, I'm not going to do that. Like, <laughs> there's nothing. I know there are people who perfected this game who like got every bounty, found every like random feather plume that was in every level for some reason. Um, and I know that they did that. And hats off to them. But those are the kind of people that the that the phrase. Um, Oh, touch grass <laughs> came about for because holy hell, how did you do that? <laughs> but there's no way, there's no way possible. Um, I do want to move on to talk about um, the story and the lore in this game, but um, I will okay. give you a chance because One I feel I feel some I feel some undercurrents of of some pent-up rage coming from you because you said, I hope we get to talk about the other <laughs> the other <laughs> weapons in the game. Yes. Which, all I'll say, just to start off, the primary thing I used was the blasters. Yep. I picked up one of the heavy machine guns that an enemy dropped once, and I realized that this fully automatic gun cannot shoot half as fast as I can. Nope. So I dropped that and I never touched another one again. And then um, I started to refer to the grenades in this game as explosive cyanide capsules because there was no way humanly possible that I could use one without killing myself. <laughs> so those are the only things I'll say about the other weapons in the game and I'll give it over, over to you real quick before we jump into the lore. So, so, so I'm glad <clears throat> I'm, I, I'm, you and I apparently had very, very similar thoughts on the other weapons. <laughs> um, so the, like I said, when you, you've got a certain number of shots you can take, you know, it's, it's every, every game has a health bar, you know, so on and so forth. You have a certain number of shots you can take, um, before, before you die. Okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll start with the repeater. Like you said, Al. <laughs> Because there are points where you get this like heavy machine gun is what it is. And if you hit it once, it shoots, I think, seven shots automatically. So if you keep tapping it like you and you only have 100 bullets on it. OK, so 
whenever I first got this thing, like was early in the game. And so I was like, okay, this thing's kind of cool. You know, so I get it. You, you lose, you know, ammo on this, but your main blasters, the two main blasters that Django has in the movie and in the game and in every, every iteration of him, literally you have unlimited ammo on them. Okay. Um, which is a great, great idea. I would have been, this game would have gone down so much for me if I had to if I had to hunt down ammo because Lord knows I wasted a lot trying to kill random guys that I had locked onto and for some reason just were not going down. Um, but be, be, before I start, I, I, I do start talking about that. There are two other mechanics that I did want to talk about. Um, one is there were multiple times, Al, where you you apparently had one similar where I was hunting someone down on a, as a secondary bounty and they weren't like part of a gang. So they weren't shooting at me. And I don't know if this one happened to you, but like when I got up close to him, like he was doing like the cowering motion, but then all of a sudden he just pulled a blaster on me. So it was literally the call an ambulance, but not for me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, he duped you. You got debated. It's, it's he, hard he to did. see. I, I got debated. I did. <laughs> um, but the other mechanic I, I did want to talk about that is actually genuinely, genuinely one of the best uses of this I've ever seen in a game. And I know I might be this might be that might be hyperbolic, but I'm rolling with it because it's I that that is an apt word because it's the dodge roll that you use in this game. Because first and foremost, the way that the default controls are set. The dodge roll is your L2, okay? That is genius. Every other game that I have that I have played that has a dodge roll, it's either circle or B or X or, 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 or A, whatever controller you have, okay? It is what it is the it is the right button, it is the right face button, okay? More often than not. And I hate that so much because I have to take my hand off of, especially in third person shooters, I have to take my hand off of the analog stick that is aiming and move it to the, to that button and then lose precious time while I am trying to dodge out of the way of something. You contrast that where Django Fett is basically tracer from overwatch. Um, not quite as fast, but that's the way the dodge works. It, 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 it can go 360. It's it's a really, really good mechanic that genuinely surprised me when I started playing this game. I don't know if you felt the same way, Al, but I use the dodge roll a lot in this game. A lot. Well, because sure. because it was it would genuinely like save you in multiple points. Um especially in the I don't know how you get through it through the game without using it in the areas where you don't have a jetpack because I, I just, I just don't, I just don't get it. How, I don't know how you dodge um, because your standard run and um, it just, you're not nearly as fast. Another thing that, that I really liked was the lock on system. I thought the lock on system was actually really good. Um, especially when you have your main blasters. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I just, I really, I really like the lock on system and the tar and the, um, the rolling system. I forgot. I did forget to mention that. Oh, also, really cool side note with especially with the lock-on system, because Django has two blasters, one in each hand, he is able to shoot two people at the same time. Another yes. really cool mechanic that 
you don't see a whole lot of in 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 really any other game. Um, I just I really I I really liked that. I thought that was really cool way really cool way of doing it. It did mean that I would randomly start shooting civilians like right next to the target um, <laughs> at different points. Um, so like I, I am the scourge of Coruscant. Like, like no one no one wants Tango Fett to be nearby because um, I'll just shoot anyone apparently. Um, but but to to your to your main question though. Okay, about my thoughts about the weapons. I'm going to go in order of, of them, of when you receive them. Sure. Okay. So, so the first you get are the, are the main blasters. Main blasters are fantastic. Love them. Unlimited ammo. Can literally shoot as, as fast as, as, as you can tap the button, which made for some really funny moments uh, in late, later parts of the game where I am just blasting away at a crate dragon or at a nexu and nothing's happening <laughs> because they're <laughs> um <clears throat> which, but then randomly like half their health would be gone like at one point that was another thing is the the health over the health over the care over the enemies just you could never trust it i would just shoot until something was dead there was you could never trust it um next weapon you get is your flamethrower whenever you get the jetpack Flamethrower, you you have to use the same amount of fuel that you use while you're using the jetpack. This is weird to me um, because, like, I get that you're trying to, like, you have a fuel mechanic that you want to use. I get that, okay? But why is the flamethrower connected to my jetpack? Also, this means that there's never a point where I can fly and use the flamethrower at the same time, which well, that's is really just... It's really just upsetting. Yeah, exactly. Because how awesome would that be? You, you'd be, you'd literally be a Star Wars dragon at that point. Like that's that that would just be awesome. Um, a damn shame, really. But, <clears throat> but the flamethrower actually, I mean, hell, in the last level, the flamethrower was the main weapon I used. But we'll get to that here in a little bit. Um, after that, you get grenades, and for some reason, in whatever Hollow Net Django Fett has been watching. They have had nothing but Showtime Lakers, Magic Johnson, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar uh, compilations of the of the hook shot, because that's the only way he throws a grenade. But for some reason, if you don't hit it just right, he has no strength behind the hook shot. And like you said, it is an explosive cyanide capsule because it literally drops right next to you. The amount of times that I killed myself trying to use a grenade effectively. It's too many. It's too many, honestly. Like I, I'm pretty sure I wasted all five continues on on one fight where I was trying to. I was like, I'm just going to do it once to where I actually get one person with a grenade. Could not make it happen. Um, which was really annoying when they started giving me way too many grenades in later levels. But you know, it's whatever. Um, the next thing that you get is the rockets on your on your jetpack uh, when you get to the. Um, the prison level, and those are actually a lot of fun, especially uh, because especially once I learned that you can actually kind of control them in midair, which I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, that took me way too long to figure out because I kept using the lock on. But if you actually are aiming um, just randomly, you can control them, and I, I, it's, it's, it's a it doesn't work perfectly. But there were like two or three times where I was able to literally shoot someone around a corner, and I was like, "Okay, that was pretty cool. That was that was a cool moment." Um, later, you get rockets that split off into threes, 
and apparently have the largest blast radius of all time because there was never a point where I tried to use those where I did not kill myself. Um, <laughs> like, ever. Like, and, and, and I, there was a point where I used the main missile in a cave, and I was like, surely this isn't going to work. Sure enough, it did. And, but then I tried to use the missiles that go into threes in an open area on Tatooine. You know, Tatooine, the bit, the area of just this large, like, mountainsides where I thought that I would be safe. Nope, just killed me, like, immediately. Um, then you get a sniper rifle after that. The sniper rifle is the weirdest gun I've ever used in a game, like, ever. And there were points where I was like, okay, this thing's actually working well for me. Because there were points where I would shoot something and it'd be a one-hit KO no matter where I hit them. I could literally shoot their hand and they'd be like, well, I'm done now. But then there are other points where I have a dead-on headshot lined up and I guess they blinked and then, like, the bullet ricocheted from the, from the blink. <laughs> um, and just, they were like, no, no, nothing happened. I don't know, man. It's crazy. Um, so, use the force, dude. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Use the force. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know what to tell you. Um, yeah, this, this, this random Doug, just out of nowhere, um, is, uh, yes, that is the Sebulba's uh, uh, species, by the way. Um, but yeah, just the random Dugs are just like, nope, we, <laughs> it's going to take a lot more than that to kill us. Um, <laughs> then there is one weapon, which is the weirdest weapon in the entire game, but you only use it literally for one fight. And it is the weirdest grenade launcher I have ever seen. Mm. Um, on Coruscant, the boss yeah. fight on that level. <laughs> yeah. what I'm talking about. The boss fight on that level is you kill the senator you literally push him out a window because um, I don't I don't know. I guess he didn't want to do anything about gun laws, and um, I guess he didn't have a bounty on his head. <laughs> yeah, I guess he didn't have a bounty on his head. So you're just like, ah, screw it. I'm just gonna toss him out a window. Um, and the this like I don't know, like this like speeder comes up to you <laughs> and is and is like, stop right there, and then starts shooting you. Okay, well. I was able to take out all of its guns with just my blasters, but then I could not do anything else with it. But what's funny is that it had no way to attack me, so it's just floating there, just waiting for me, to, just in this weird like standoff between me and this, <laughs> me and this little ship. And then I figured out you have to use the grenade launcher that they are giving you. Go up to the second level, so the grenades will actually fall low enough, and you have to shoot it um, before. It moves up a level to match you because if you try to shoot it while it matches you, they will miss every single time unless you get right on the edge of the platform. And in the meantime, like you're doing this, there are like three other thugs behind you that are just shooting you in the back. Um, probably the most difficult boss fight I actually had the entire game, honestly, because it took me forever to figure out what I was supposed to do. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, that just that was the. That was the uh, that was the slew of weapons that you were able to. Use. Oh, excuse me. Also, one more thing. One one last weapon I forgot about. You get it. Like I think it's. I think you actually have it when you start. The little dart that Django kills Zam Wessel with in Episode Two. Yeah. Um. You get that, and it is a one hit KO on just about everything. 
Um, I think the only thing you cannot use it on is the bosses themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but like everything else that I shot it with that, that I would shoot, shoot it with was just immediately just boom, they're done. But because of that, you don't find too many of those darts throughout the game. So you mm-hmm. kind of have to use them sparingly. Um, the problem with having multiple weapons though, like at the end of all of this is why would I use anything besides the two main blasters? That's the that's the only big issue I had with that with that aspect of this is why would I use anything but these two blasters, which have been way too reliable and have caused, you know, way too many funny moments of carpal tunnel syndrome, um, just like as I'm playing this game. But uh, so, yeah, so that's that's my issue with the weapons. Um, so I'm wondering if you had similar thoughts on those. No, no, I mean, all of that is. Um, is very <laughs> is very understandable. I will say with the sniper that you get, I will say that like I didn't really have any issue using it. Um, it felt pretty consistent to me. The issue I had with the rifle was just that like it felt very redundant because if you go in to a annual crosshair with your blasters, your blasters have just as much range as the rifle does and and we're usually like just as efficient because of like how fast you could shoot them yes so it's one of those it's one of those issues um i kind of compare it to um um the issue you get into with devil a cry three which is also a playstation 2 game where it offers you this big slew of weapons, this like armory by the end of the game of like various kinds of things you can use and like unlock unlock combos for and things like that. But um, one of the first things you get in that game is by far the best out of all of them. And so the rest of the game, you're just kind of like, okay, well, this is cool. I like the concept behind this, but like I... I have these bad boys, so why would yeah. I ever use this? That's kind of the issue with the blasters as well. The blasters are so good and so well designed that for the rest of the game, it's just kind of like, well, I don't know why I would use anything else. Um, there was a point in the game where I was kind of lost and I wasn't sure where to go. So I pulled up a guide online and I was reading through it. And whoever wrote this guide offered like some tips occasionally with combat. And at one point, they were just like, this fight right here is pretty tough. So I recommend starting the fight um, by using your grenades instead to, like, to kill a bunch of the enemies at once. And as soon as I read that, I was just like, I'm going to stop with this guide because whoever wrote this is is a child of the devil. And just, <laughs> <laughs> and just goes on the internet and tells lies in, in their spare time. And that's just... That's just awful. Um, but, um, no, I had a, um, a love-hate relationship with the weapons, for sure. But um, I did appreciate that one of the options was you could just drop all of your weapons and just use your fists and just use, yeah. like, Mandalorian Kung Fu. It was a really quick way to die, usually, but <laughs> it was really fun occasionally when I just had, like, one dude left in the fight, and I was just like, you know what? I'm going to go old-fashioned on you. I'm just just punch you until you die um which is far worse than anything else he has in his arsenal but um, just punching people until they're dead 
um, until they're one with the force. Um, so I do want to get to the story in this because it's got some lore in here. It's got some it things does. that are interesting. It does. Um, it's got some things that are interesting. So this acts as kind of a bridge as to explain at its core, it kind of serves to explain why was Django chosen as the, as the huge sperm donor, if you will, of, <laughs> of the clone army of the Republic. I, I, I will not. <laughs> you will by the end of it. Um, <laughs> Um, well, why out of all of the bounty hunters out there, out of all of the mercenaries and assassins and and already trained s- soldiers out there, why was it Django who was chosen as the specimen supreme <laughs> to model uh, the Republic Army after? And so very early on, you get just kind of thrown into it because one of the first characters you see in this game um, is Count Huku talking, talking to Palpatine. It's <laughs> one of the first scenes you get in the game. Um, and so this game, it's the story of this game is kind of a mess. I'm not going to say it's bad <laughs> because there's a lot of parts of the story that I think individually are interesting and that I'd be down to explore a bit more. But all of these subplots taken as a whole is kind of a mess. So you have this idea that Count Dukuku has a former student who is who is doing her own unique path of dark side stuff, right? He has a former student by on the name of of Kum. Ari Vosa, um, who's like in charge of her own gang. She's off doing weird tribal dark side of the force stuff going on. Um, and Tuku is just like, well, I need to take care of this because, um, you know, the rule of two is still kind of the thing, I guess. Um, and Palpatine is really mad that there's another dark side practitioner in the game right now. It could cause problems, right? Um, <laughs> so you have that going on. So Vosa is kind of set up as if she's going to be like the main bad guy of the game, right? Except that doesn't really pay off because they yep. introduce a character who has a much more personal stake in what's going on with Django. Um, they introduce a rival bounty hunter um, by the name of Antros, who knows a lot about Django. He knows about Django's past. He knows about the things that Django's done, the things that have happened to him that have kind of set him on this path. He's a constant antagonist. He's offered the same bounty on Vosa, as Django is, they're like racing against each other, trying to track down leads. He's a constant thorn in Django's side. He ends up killing um, one of Django's friends towards the end of the game. And there's kind of a big confrontation between him and Django. And that feels kind of like the emotional climax of the story. 
However, there's still an entire section of the game left to do because they're at the end. It's just like, oh, oh my God, there's a Sith user in this game. <laughs> I completely <laughs> forgot. <laughs> that's why we that's why we set out on this whole adventure in the first place. So you have that stuff going on. You have like in internal stuff going on with Django where he's like trying to figure out if like this is all he is, if he's just a bounty hunter. You have a blossoming friendship with Zam Wessel, which I'm sure if Josh were on this, he'd have a lot to say about that. So you yes. have that going on. And again, I don't think any of these storylines are bad in and of themselves. It's just that my perception of them is that all jumbled together, um, it was, it felt very disconnected. Um, and so it kind of lacks the impact that we're kind of used to Star Wars stories having. Um, well, Jacob, I don't know if you've felt kind of the same, but talk to me a bit about kind of the cast of characters in this game, the various kind of conflicts going on. Like, um, were you very invested in in the various plots and stories that were going on? Well, I... I, I was um, the main. So the main thing that I want to know, and and I'm hoping, and since there, since Disney, since the Disney Plus shows, with the exception of Kenobi premiering uh, uh, when this is published uh, this past week, um, uh, with the exception of that, every show has dealt with a Mandalorian and either Din Djarin or Boba Fett. Both of which have talked about the different, um, the different sects of of Mandalorians and uh, kind of like an, in like a tribal set setting, um, so much so that you even have the um, you even have this kind of very tense scene between Bo Katan and Din Djarin, where Din Djarin is um, he goes by the old ways of the traditional Mandalorians. And then Bo-Katan is like, dude, we don't really care about that. We just want to be Mandalorians. The problem that I kind of came into with this, and it's it's the one thing they haven't really addressed, is what happened before the Clone Wars. Um, in the Clone Wars cartoon, we get we get the storyline of Pre Vizsla, um, you know, setting up Death Watch and then wanting to leave the Mandalorians behind and go from there. Or uh, really, excuse me, reclaim Mandalore um, as in the traditional way that the original Vizsla's did. But with this game, you don't get anything about Death Watch, and you don't understand why Montross is angry at Django. And I think that in itself is the issue. It is only really an issue because it is considered to be a sequel to Django Fett Open Seasons by uh, Hayden Blackman. It was, a, it was a comic that came out concurrently with the film, kind of explaining Django's origins. Um, even explaining his first ship called Jaster's Legacy, because Jaster Muriel was the, um, was the Mandalorian who raised Django. And Django and Boba, the, the Fets in themselves, are not technically Mandalorians, and you get this whole kind of side story where they are kind of these outcasts who just rose up in the ranks of the Mandalorian lore, basically. 
And all of that is something that I was kind of – I kind of thought they were going to go into like as we got further in the game. But it's something that they were really kind of addressed. Like they hinted different things. They hinted a lot. They, they, they want you to understand a lot about the lore surrounding these characters. Even so much there's a point where Zem Wessel has a throwaway line where she's like, I would need to change into – and then she kind of stops herself. And then and so then that raised more flags for me because I was like, why does Zam Wessel not want him to know she's a shapeshifter? Um, and why are we not addressing that by the end of this game? Um, so like small things like that, to, to say I was invested, it's yes, I was, but I was invested because I wanted to know more about the things they were leaving out. And and because mm. the, 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 there's there is a lot a lot of Galactic Republic content out there from like the late 90s to the mid 2000s where they were trying to fill in a lot of different I don't even want to say plot holes but like subplots that that don't even touch Obi-Wan, Anakin, Padme, Yoda any of them guys for those of you who do not know there is a 20 issue arc where Quinlan Voss is the main character of the main Star Wars comic. You don't, we probably don't even know who Quinlan Voss is, but one, he's awesome. And two, that just goes to show you how much they were trying to push a lot of these side characters. So to say that I was invested and wanted to know about more about these characters, yes, of course. But to me, where this game struggles is the fact that it is one piece of, uh, of a larger story. Um but at the same time, it also doesn't really stand up on its own from the lore aspect as as well as it should. At least when it comes to Django, um, to Django's backstory for me. Um, like you said, I thought that the fight with Montross at the end, I was like, that seems to be the emotional climax, even to where he he leaves him for the for the weird zombie creatures to just eat him. Um, you know, which which we're going to – trust me, we're going to get there. We're going to talk about them here in a second. Um, but um, but that was something that I was – that I kind of enjoyed that scene because like you said, it was a very emotional moment. Um, if you've read the comic, you know that Montross and Django have – they do have this big backstory where basically Montross um, leaves uh, Jaster Mareel for dead. And Django tries to go and save him and reclaim his body um, and nearly dies doing it. And there, there's this huge backstory that I wish they would have just done like a small cutscene, like cutting back to to that battle, you know, and, and that storyline of why they wanted to um, – of why they had this kind of rivalry. Um, they even mentioned when the Jedi go and slaughter all the Mandalorians – um and and but it's like a brief mention and once again i'm like guys i'm not like i'm not saying you have to spend like an like you don't you don't have to do like a hideo kojima cutscene on this but I'm, I'm talking like like a two to three minute thing where you show count dooku leading a charge against the these this mandalorian group and like leaving just Django alive because because like like out of respect and thus connecting further back to how does Count Dooku even know who Django is in the first place? Those are the kinds of things that to me, to me, this game could have benefited from at least like those two cutscenes, really kind of giving you a discussion of why Django is 
who he is, even to the point where like, like the, there's there's this kind of we we had talked about Django in in our Attack the Clones retrospective where we talked about we never really get a reason as to why he wants Boba, why he wants an unaltered clone. Well, when you know a bit more about how he was raised and about how Jaster took Django in when Django had no one else, then you kind of get this mindset of in Django's head, he's like, I want to do that for someone else. And so you kind of get this I this idea where Django wants to be that father figure for someone else. And since he has all these clones, he's going to have all these clones anyways. He's like, well, I might as well have one that I can actually raise on my own. And thus there is Boba Fett. Um, so to me, that's stuff like that is the, is what should have been put into this game. If from a, from a storyline standpoint, now I'm not, I'm not going to say that early 2000s video games could not have good stories because a lot of them did. Don't get me wrong. Kingdom Hearts literally came out the same year as this game, and Kingdom Hearts has a very involved story, as we have discussed before. Even the first one is. But at the same time, when you are going to a movie tie-in game, for for lack of a better term, that's basically what this is, a lot of times you were kind of expected like to go in, play the game for a few hours, and then – Okay, that there it is. At the time, you know, movie tie-in games weren't really considered to be games that were going to have these big engrossing stories. So I wasn't really going in expecting all of that. But I'm just saying they could have tossed in a little bit extra into characters like that. Um, Kamari Vosa, I had no no emotional connection to whatsoever. You you see her in three cutscenes, and then and in the last one you get this really weird like sexual tension between her and Django um out of nowhere um like and 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 this is and 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 mind you this is two levels after they have introduced for lack of a better term the idea of like force zombies so to say that that was the weirdest part of this game like just just for clarification like that's kind of that's kind of where we're at um because there's a scene where she has Django tied up and she is in like I mean we we are talking like like a dimly image design of a costume for for herself and there's like a point where she's like you will be my slave and you're and it's just like uh and but then <laughs> okay well, okay all right but then that's even weirder because she even makes the point to say that he hates the word slave, and I have been trying to find and, – and, and I don't know if may, maybe – I don't remember Django ever being a slave. And so – and because uh, like, like a lot of people were like, well, Django was a slave. That's why he names the ship Slave One, and that's why they hate the, the, the name change to just the fire spray, which it's a fire spray class. He even says it in the game, so that's, that's a whole other thing. But – like once again, that's something else they could have included in here, because um, like I tried to find more about Django's backstory, and I don't remember them ever mentioning him being a slave. I could be wrong, maybe I didn't look hard enough, or I haven't read the right story, but I don't remember that being a thing. And so for them to toss that in at the like with the final boss, and and kind of and, and like I said, a very tense moment, sexually or otherwise. 
uh, <laughs> is was kind of an odd an odd thing for me. Um, so so yeah, no, I, I had no connection to Kamari Vosa. Um, this is the first time we see, um, I think it's Corey Burton as Count Dooku, who would go on to voice him in, um, in the Clone Wars series. Yeah. If it is not, it, Christopher Lee was actually pretty good about doing voice acting a lot. So there are multiple Count Dooku, there are multiple performances of Count Dooku where Christopher Lee is voicing him. Um, this is one where it was Corey Burton and it's really, it's one of the, if you've ever heard Count Dooku, it's one of those two voices. Um, mm-hmm. But Corey Burton, I think, does a very good job. Um, I think he, I think he does a very good job with the character, um, and I, and I, I like Count Dooku in this. I, I, th- I think he's, I think he, it's kind of fun to kind of toss him in there. Um, but oh, and 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 Zam, I Zam, I, I actually really enjoyed. Um, I kind of like that they had this kind of back and forth where neither one really knew if they could trust each other yet. Um, in which also in hindsight it seemed it, at least for me with only six levels in this game well like like six main main planets in this game um, it did seem kind of odd for them to be, start to trust each other as quickly as they did honestly um, but you know I, I I but I also get the whole I mean it's a video game we've we've got to move the story line along you know so so Zam Wessel's working with Django Fett now just 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 roll with it um, so I I did like Zam's inclusion in this. Um, but here's the thing. I mean, the best side character in the entire game, and she's just a lot of fun, is is Roz, the uh, woman who is basically, um, kind of like the uh, kind of like a, like a like a private contractor for for bounty hunters. Uh, she's what grief Car- uh, Carl Weathers' character is in The Mandalorian at the start, where he's he's kind of getting these people these different jobs and everything. Um, Roz is just she. She's she's funny. She's got a lot of like one-liners and um, and she keeps like pushing Django into like trying to be something more than a bounty hunter, which once again is a good storyline and a good way of doing it. But to me, I wouldn't like I said. I just wanted just a little bit more, just a little bit, a couple other scenes where we're showing why Django wants to be something more than just a bounty hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, but but Roz is, is a really good character. Um, even in like her dying words are that he should be uh, find something to live for, you know. And I think that's a, you know, it's to carry that into the idea of that's what of like that's Django's last memory of of the closest friend he's really had. That you know after Gaster uh, raised him, that kind of show that kind of hit me like 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 in in a good way in the sense of like i I was like okay that makes sense is like that's why that would be on his mind of like i want to do something more so i want to try to pass on my legacy to someone else um it does seem kind of odd that literally the ending of this game is he kills vosa dooku shows up and is like yeah she probably could have been you know uh Decent ally, but nah, we had to kill her. And then Django's immediately, and then he's like, Django, do you want to be like the father to all these clones? And he's like, sure, but I need one that I can just raise on my own. And then Dooku doesn't even like question. He's like, okay, cool, whatever. And they just move right past the end of the game. Like it, it ends <laughs> very abruptly. That's um, awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like, kind of like you said, I kind of wish that, like, 
I kind of wish that like they did that scene, and then like the next thing is he's like, before I go to Camino, I've got one last score to settle, and then like you chase down Montross instead of him just showing up yeah. out of nowhere. In, in that final level. <laughs> um, because, because like you said, it does have the emotional connection. And I think that would actually fit a lot better with this kind of this mentality of him as a bounty hunter of like, I've got to take down this last hit and then I can go to Camino and then I can basically retire, um, you know, and, and kind of just do my own thing. Um, and then annoyingly get involved in a political plot 10 years later. Um, but that's a, that's a, that's for, that's for the Attack of the Clones retrospective, uh, which which you all should go listen to that podcast as well. Um, Al, I have talked for like 13 straight minutes. Please, uh, feel feel free to jump in on your thoughts on the characters. I, I do apologize. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It's okay. Um, um, you know, before I get into what's going on with Django in this game, um, I do want to go back and touch on something you said already, which is um, – the odd sexual tension that arises basically whenever <laughs> Kumari Vosa is on screen, because I'm glad you said something first about it, because when I was playing this game and watching all the cutscenes, I had the thought too. And then I just kind of like shook my head a little bit. I was just like, no, it's probably just me. Like, <laughs> like it's probably just like an, an aged thing that like these scenes probably hit a different way in 2002 than they do now but no i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure these scenes were also weird in 2002 um <laughs> i really do believe that because and this is something that like um that there's a change that i'm glad has happened with female users of the dark side um ever since the disney acquisition <laughs> and some of the more expanded stories because lucas film and lucas arts did this weird thing in the ode canon where every female member of the dark side like had to be weirdly sexualized <laughs> and this is true of like of Kamari vosa this is true of like of like a lot of depictions of Asajj Ventress. I was I was about this to say is, like like you can go inside Ventress because she's like, there too. <laughs> yeah, like this is true of like a lot of female dark side users, and it's really weird. And it makes it honestly it makes me appreciate the the Sith brother and sisterhood a whole lot more because like you play through Jedi. F on an order, which like I don't even think is like that great or impressive of a game as a whole, but man, like the 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 second and ninth sisters in those games are like really intimidating and really scary. Yep. And yep. what a you know young student of the dark side should probably be, who's been indoctrinated by the Sith and. And like is is fueling all of their thoughts and actions through rage and hatred, like <laughs> like you watch those and you're just like, oh, these guys are scary, and you watch like Kamari Vosa, and you and she can't do anything without you having the thought of just like, is she, 
is she hitting on me? Like, is, <laughs> <laughs> like, is, she, is, that, supposed, is that what's happening here? <laughs> like, oh my um, god, you're gonna kiss? <laughs> like, oh my god, are you gonna kiss? Um, <laughs> are we gonna kiss with the force? Um, but um, it's very weird. Um, and I had the thought when I was playing through the game, I didn't know anything about Vosa whatsoever before starting the game. And playing through the game, I had the impression of her of just like, this is like a, a way more sexualized version of Asajj Ventress. That's what it feels yeah. like. And when I did some more background research, I, I found that some of the um, stories in the old canon that expanded on this character a little bit, um, like... I went on to confirm that, like, yeah, the lightsabers that Asajj has were originally the ones that were used by Vosa. Like, she is very much like a a shadow kind of, like, pre-stereotype that Asajj came out of eventually even down to, like, the weird kind of abusive relationship that Tuku had with the both of them. Yeah. Um, so, so very much aligned there. But, um, yeah, she just kind of... Her character did not hit. At no point... And I think her character was held back specifically by the fact that at no point did I really understand what she was trying to do. Mm-hmm. Like, it's confirmed that she's, like... It's confirmed that she's a dark side user. It's confirmed that she's doing this mystical, tribal kind of dark side stuff. That she has like an army of zombies with her who had previously also broken her. But then she bounced back from that and became the leader of the Andogora in response. And like at no point... And, like, she was doing, like, the tribal dark side stuff, but she also had, like, a hand in, like, the drug trade, which, like, seemed kind of underwhelming. (laughs) 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 If I'm being completely honest. It's like... You have a manipulated army at your control. Are you... Is drugs really your next move? (laughs) It's like... It's like when you find out that, like, Aleister Crowley was, like, also a heroin addict, and it's just like, okay, well, that's... I mean, I'm not sure that's the main thing I would focus on with that person. <laughs> but it has that kind of effect. It's just like, well, you know, um, <laughs> Omari Vosa also sewed spice. And it's just like, oh, I mean, okay, that's not good, but <laughs> kind of feel like that's not the the main course of her character here. The main thing that we need to focus on here. <laughs> so so that was strange so her character kind of missed for me and it also um as we've already talked about we don't have to rehash it but also with the understanding that like that on was a much more um interesting antagonist had a lot more going for him as far as actual connection to Django. i mean like as far as vosa goes as like a villain of the game you don't even get to be the one who kills her like Tuku shows oh, yeah. up and kills her like yeah. you don't I didn't, even, I didn't even think about that yeah you don't even get like the hoorah i'm a cool bounty hunter who mm-hmm. killed a force user kind of feeling because like you didn't 
<laughs> so that was also strange. But um, I do, if, if, yeah. if you don't mind, I do have a small little bit of backstory on Vosa. Um, so it was long suggested, and a lot of people thought about, and a lot of people knew about this, that Asajj Ventress was going to show up in Attack of the Clones and also be included in Revenge of the Sith as well. Um, sure. Vosa is her original um, design. Like, everything about her design uh, was originally Kamari Vosa. Um, even, li- like, like so much so that, like you said, even she has the same lightsabers and everything. Um, even right down to, and this is why, like, in the Dave Floney Clone Wars, Ventress has a connection to the Night Sisters and to Mother Talzin and all them because originally, because, like, that was... That's basically where the band Agora went, <laughs> is like though that storyline of like the like mystical tribal version of the Force users was basically taken like away from the band Agora, and then were given to the Night Sisters and the uh, de- uh, and the Dathomirians with the with the uh, the Zabrax. I, I could not think of what Darth Maul and uh, Op- and Savage Opress were. Um, so that's kind of the like origins of her, of where her character was supposed to be, and that's why she shows up in this. But she's like killed off is because because they didn't know that they didn't know that they were going to use a sock of interest at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so so in their minds, that you know, I'm what what my assumption was because because like I I looked up because I was I was like Vosa I was is that the original Asajj Ventress? Um, design and you can look up the the original like Asajj Ventress concept art and everything and what they had is they had multiple of course whenever you're doing concept art of course you draw multiple things of the same person and they couldn't decide between doing something more human like Kamari Vosa um, albeit you know Star Wars human so still kind of odd with like the weird like spiky uh spiky white hair and and the sure. basically bdsm out, outfit um sure. Sure. <laughs> but then you also had like and the like boobs the, that are always on camera regardless of where <laughs> she's always on camera. um <laughs> and the and the other option for their concept art was what we know asajj vendors to be today like those were kind of the two like where were they going to go and of course then they break them up into two different characters and one is kind of lost to the the annals of Star Wars EU history with Kamari Vosa, and then the other one has become, um, in my opinion, one of the better uh, Star Wars characters in the in the EU. I th- and I, I I still want a Sidefinders to show up somewhere in the uh, in the new canon personally. Um, but that's a once again that's a conversation for another time. Um, but I, I did just want to kind of add that kind of history to who Vosa was. Is that you know the the Bandogora and and her design and everything wasn't as out of left field back in 2002 because there were there was once a point where she was going to be part of the movie and everything, um, but they scrapped all of that you know so and then and then, and then we get into Bounty Hunter. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. Um... It's interesting as well. It makes me wonder, after I did some research on her character, and it made me wonder if there was a version of this script where there was a bit more of a personal relationship between her and Django. 
because one of the other details I found out about her, um, again, in one of the offshoot um, stories about the character, is that when she was in the Jedi Order, um, she was a part of the Battalion of Jedi um, who were at um, the Battle of Caladron. Yeah, yeah, the Jedi ambushed and and killed a ton of Mandalorians. And it's interesting that she would have that detail about her character talking to Jango Fett, (laughs) a person (laughs) with a lot of Mandalorian history to him. And that not come up at all. <laughs> but there is a line that Antros says um, that is a reference to that battle. So it kind of, at some point when I was doing some background research on this, there was a thought that came to mind of just like, I wonder if there was an earlier version of this game script where the two antagonists were kind of rolled into one more Mm -hmm. and uh they would have had a bit more of an investment in each other uh, between Django and vosa um by having um that background for her but um again that isn't even a background that comes up in the game that's something i found out from exploring the the lost annals of the eu like <laughs> it's something I found out on my own. So it's just very odd. But um, the last thing I want to say, though, about Django and about the story in this game is that this is, I think, a pretty rough case where um, a prequel story has really severe limitations placed on it by the film it is a prequel to. Mm. Um because every every sense that you every sense you get of Django starting to become a more dynamic kind of character, a character who wants to change and wants to get some more out of life, almost every sense you get of that is almost completely shut down by the events of of Attack of the Clones, um, because this whole idea behind Django in this game is that Roz is like trying to encourage him to like find something else. As you said, find something to live for, find something in this life to value other than just being a bounty hunter. Um, And that's great. And that's a beautiful sentiment. And it was a really cool part of the relationship. However, the moment you get the feeling that that really is going to take place with Django because he opens himself up some more to Zan Wessel. He he talks to Dooku about having his own clone, things like that. It's just kind of like slammed down by the fact that, okay, I'm going to go, I just finished up this game, going to go watch Attack of the Clones. Oh, look, this fellow bounty hunter who he had formed this cool relationship with, he just killed without a yeah. second thought. <laughs> like... As Josh already talked about in the Attack of the Clones retrospective, like, Zam got aced <laughs> without a second thought from this person who we thought, oh, he's grown so much, he's opened himself up to somebody else in his life. Oh, th- 
there she goes. <laughs> Never mind. And what? then you have this idea of just like, okay, he's going to go. He's going to find something more to live for. He's going to go off and take his son and just go find his place in the world. And you're just like, oh, that's really cool. That's awesome. That's a cool direction for this character. And then, oh, he's at the Battle of Geonosis being a bodyguard for Nuku. And he almost immediately is killed by Miss Windu. And so all of these indications of character growth and new possibilities for Django in this game are just kind of like punched down by the much better known story of what happens, what actually happens in the prequels. Mm. And so while you're going through these events on screen in the game, it kind of lacks a certain punch because like, you know, what's going to happen. So every time that, like, these potentially really cool emotional moments are about to take place, you're still left with the fact that Attack of the Clones so unceremoniously, like, just wasted (laughs) the potential of Jango Fett uh, by having him have a duel with Obi-Wan, which is really cool, and then... He's aced by Windu, and that's yeah. just kind of the end of Django Fett. Um, and that's just where we're at. So um, I definitely think that that's, that has a lot to do with like where the story could have gone and what it could have meant compared to what we know as reality because it was set up to be a lead-in into the film, especially where like the release schedules didn't line up. So by just the natural order of events, you see what happens to Jango Fett <laughs> in Attack of the Clones before you get any of this information. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, so yeah, um, I definitely think it was a big case of that. Now, you know, um, you know after playing this, one thing I never thought of, um, or really after watching the movie, one thing I never thought of, you know, is like, if him and Zam were as close as they were, like, at the end of this game, at the beginning of Attack of the Clones, then, like, when he gets back to Kamino, like, Bo was probably like, hey, hey, Dad, where, where's where's Aunt Zam? You know, just like, <laughs> oh, shit, like, oh. <laughs> Ooh, good question. Well, son, he was going to talk. So, you know, <laughs> I, Dad, we've... She's lived with us for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> she she was the only mother I ever knew. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and Jago just has like a flashback to Roz and her dying <laughs> in his arms saying find something to live for. And so he's about to t- take Boba and leave. And then, and then the Kamino one is just like, hello, here's Obi-Wan Kenobi to talk to you. And He's like, like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> 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 Not what I'm trying to deal with today, y'all. <laughs> the the oh. emotional damage I've given my son is nowhere near what I need to focus on right now. But now there's a Jedi Knight in my living room. <laughs> oh, man. I... <laughs> Quick, Bubba, we have to get out of here. If anything happens to me, Cad Bane's going to have to race you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Who's Cad Bane? Pray you never have to find out, Bubba. Let's go. <laughs> well, um, oh, all right. Anyway, um, uh, before we get to our 
last segment of the show, which is something we do on every episode. Um, I do want to bring out, you almost can't talk about this game without talking about uh, the fact that 10 years after its release in 2012, at, at E3, something that a few years down the road we, is something else we may also have to tell children about <laughs> in a wistful old man voice. Um, at E3, they presented plans for a follow-up game. Uh, there was a project that was in development um, um, entitled Star Wars 1313. And it was basically going to be a, a sequel or at least a spiritual successor to the Bounty Hunter game where um, instead of playing as Django, you play as Boba Fett, um, explore his kind of history as a bounty hunter as he goes like through like the um, the criminal underground essentially of Coruscant. Um, it went so far that like animations were done. There was like some pre-alpha footage of the yeah. gameplay that eventually got leaked. Um, however, then when Disney bought Lucasfilm, uh, they closed down uh, the LucasArts um, studios, and there was this whole thing where Disney leadership of the Star Wars property, like, kept kind of talking about, well, you know, this game isn't necessarily completely canceled. We may do something with this property. We may not. Um, It's been 10 years now since the game was first announced. We probably won't be receiving that game but um i do have to ask um jacob now having played the og the um original star wars bounty hunter game um as we all know kids always say in star wars you're either a jedi or a bounty hunter uh, <laughs> <laughs> as we all know um and also with how in the star wars cultural zeitgeist the idea of bounty hunting um, has continued to be very um, um, prominent in the stories that Star Wars is telling right now. Would you like to see kind of a spiritual successor to this game, possibly following the adventures of Boba Fett, um, like the original follow-up game was supposed to be, possibly following um, other bounty hunters, because there sure are a lot of them out there that it could be about, um, do you think there's a space in gaming right now for this kind of adventure, or do you think that like the window of opportunity has kind of passed for this kind of project? So for me, me personally, I if if they if Lucas or not Lucas Arts really, but Disney or whatever studio they were going to, I guess Aspire, I, I guess is kind of the main Star Wars one that they have right now. Um, because God, I don't want to work for EA. Um, but if if I had to talk to any of the like Disney Star Wars people about what game would I want to do, this is kind of the game that I would want. Um, because I think that the concept of like and, and what I would do is I'd be like, you know, create your own bounty hunter. So you can be multiple different species, multiple different um, – have multiple different origins. And basically you are learning, you know, the ropes. Like maybe it's – 
I kind of like the idea of doing it like like the thirteen thirteen or one three one three, however you want to say it, of like that kind of timeline where it's like between the like during like the rise of the empire. I think that's a good, that's a good area, um, mainly because you don't have to you wouldn't have to explain a lot of like the world around the characters as much as like being able to focus on what the characters are doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So because with with Rogue One and Solo and Rebels, we we know what the what the galaxy looks like at that point in time we don't really need to have the understanding of it in the same way that we did with you know like i said with bounty hunter um with having you know the idea of where does Django fett come from and mandalorians and so on and so forth um i would love to be able to create your own bounty hunter and then all of a sudden like you see but like you're oh my god it's boba fett you know oh my god it's Bosk. oh my god it's ig or well ig88 is later but you get what i'm saying like dengar or someone like that you know um you know that kind of concept, especially with like modern day controls, modern modern day gaming, and being able to like, okay, you got to be stealthy on this one. So you have to go into the middle of like a cantina on Coruscant, and like not raise any kind of suspicion to yourself, but you have to take this guy out. You know, those kinds of missions and those kinds of things and different elements of the AI being added into a game. I would love to see that style. Um, so yeah, no, I absolutely think that they, I absolutely think that they could do a game like that, and I think that there's absolutely a place for it. Um, thirteen thirteen is a is a tragedy. It, it really is because the the pre alpha footage that they did show, everything on it looked really really cool. the The gameplay style looked basically like it was going to be like Star Wars Uncharted, um, with like the different like. Um, uh, with the different um, cover mechanics and everything, just everything about it looked really cool. And I was going to, uh, I was ready to play it. Like I was really, really excited for it. Um, but unfortunately, you know, it just it got canceled. It's, it's one of the few. It's one of the few things that I didn't like about the Disney acquisition. Like, and and I will always stand by Disney buying Star Wars was a wonderful mood for all of us. Um. So, uh, so yeah. <clears throat> I got you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'd be up there. It'd be up there for me as well. There's a lot of things you could do with that. Um, um, as you said, there's a lot of characters you could work with, either as NPC appearances or even uh, as taking over as them and using their kind of unique skills. Um, there's a lot you could do with that. Um, I wouldn't say it's at, it's quite at the I wouldn't say it's quite at the top of my list. I think I I still want, and we're kind of getting it with the remakes of the Ice of the Old Republic games, but I still want kind of a a ground up kind of RPG, um, especially now with like all of the lore we have about the High Republic era. Um, that's still probably at the top of my list um, um, as far as these games go and what I want but um, I mean I'd be down I'd be down for sure um, but um, alright we have reached the peak of our episode um, god <laughs> Jacob when we talk about Star Wars um, <laughs> <laughs> I literally thought this was going to be like 45 minutes to an hour <laughs> we we talk about Star Wars, yeah. Just like I'll go out here, I talk to 
I'll talk to my incredible wife, and she'll just be like, hey, hey, you guys had a long episode. Did you talk about, like, I don't know, The Mandalorian or, like, <laughs> the Jedi Academy trilogy of books? And I'll just be like, nope, we talked nope. about a PlayStation 2 game that takes about 10 hours to beat. Uh, <laughs> it, the the but, uh, Star Wars podcast we have done is is the Attack of the Clones retrospective. <laughs> <laughs> because what can be said about Attack of the Clones? Already it kind of speaks for itself, really. Uh, um, but um, no, we are at the peak for anybody who this is your first episode of. Again, what a wild episode to start this series off with. And you're still um, here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we love you so much. If you're still hanging out with us. Um, we do a final question at the end of each episode of Star Wars EU or EU um, because that's where the review part comes in. Um, we ask each other, um, does this topic, this adventure, this story, this lore, does this make the entry into what we've called our individual grand canons? Um, the, the version of Star Wars that is the most ideal on um, the most easiest to slip into and understand version of star wars lore for each of us um so we do that with every episode this episode is going to be no different at all um jacob i will ask you this most wonderful question that we have cooked up together does star wars bounty hunter for the playstation 2 and gamecube <laughs> does this story these characters the events of this game does it fit into your grand canon of Star Wars timelines? So for me, as although it it shows the potential of what Django could be, and kind of it, in a lot of ways, it makes that aspect of Attack the Clones even worse than what I kind of already thought. Um, it's still, I, I would say, it enters into my grand canon currently. Um, I still I still have a belief that eventually they are going to do more backstory with Boba and Django. Um, I think that's because I, I think that's kind of what they were hinting at in Book of Boba Fett. Um, and I actually think that if they focus on that more, it would have been um, received a little bit better. But that's a whole other conversation. Um, so for right now, yes, until they give me something else to to put in its place basically instead um kind of the same you know i kind of the same way of how we talked about guinea tartakovsky's clone wars versus dave filoni's um is that by all technical reference you know as of right now yeah it's absolutely part of my grand canon but if you know season two of book of boba fed or or mandalorian or, or or season three of mandalorian or wherever they go from here has a flashback seven where you have Django and boba you know, like kind of Django kind of teaching Boba how to do how to do something or how or kind of raising him until we get more backstory for them, then yes, this is absolutely part of my grand canon because I really like Django. I think Django's an interesting character. Um mm-hmm. and he and he fits really well within Star Wars because he is a he's a very different character because he's not you know, I, I think I think when Django is done right, um, he is a bit, and and Boba as well in this case. I think when they are done correctly, you kind of have to wonder, okay, what are they going to do next? You know, are they going to do something that is considered 
you know, heroic? Are they going to do something that is very clearly villainous? Um, and that, I, I will readily admit, that aspect is not something that I really like in a lot of characters because I like kind of the more black or white characters in a lot of, in, in a lot of my stories, especially in something with Star Wars. You know, this guy's a Sith, this guy's a Jedi. Okay, boom, there we go. But with these two, with with the, with the Fett legacy, well, as as we will call it now, um, I think it fits a lot better, um, and I think I think it works really well for them. So, and I think to carry that on and going forward, watching Boba and you know seeing his character grow in the in the new Disney canon, um, and having those callbacks to you know his father. Presumably wanting to raise him in the same way that Jaster raised him, that is something that, yes, I, I will keep my grand canon. I, uh, playing this before watching Book of Boba Fett probably would have, no, would have actually uh, made Book of Boba Fett even a little bit better, which I, I enjoyed Book of Boba Fett a lot more than a lot of other people. But I, th- I, think, I think aspects of it I think I would have enjoyed a lot more uh, if, I had, if I had played this first and I knew a little bit more about their backstory. So, Sure, sure. I mean – I think we're about all on the same page with this one. I think um, um, I still stand by um, the fact that somewhere out there there is a there is a script for Book of Boba Fett where the first two episodes are basically just flashbacks of him being raised by Django. Yeah, um, I'm convinced that that script is out there somewhere because that is so much what it feels like that first episode is starting to set up at the beginning. <laughs> um, so um, I'm so convinced that I'm kind of on board with you that if we get a season two of that show, which I'd be all for, um, I'm always down for additional Star Wars things in general, that if we get a season two of that, I would be completely unfounded. If if we don't get at least one episode, that's a flashback of him being raised by Django, um, because it just makes so much sense for those characters to show that. Um, also, because Tamara Morrison has not aged, so like I mean, toss toss some hair on him and he he'll be fine. You know? Exactly, exactly, <laughs> be fine. Um, I mean, hell, if we're gonna do this weird cyberpunk esque gross thing where we like. EGI the faces of dead actors then like <laughs> that we should at least be able to like do whatever small CGI tweaks we have to to make him look like the version of himself in Attack the Clones mm-hmm. like <laughs> I don't know why that's off the table but um but um I do think that um as you said as of right now I do accept this in my grand canon because first off, it's not really like an offensive entry in that like it doesn't like um, it doesn't rock the boat with like anything else really. Um, and then also, I think it adds so much more when you take the events of of Bounty Hunter um, for what they are for for being a realistic depiction of what happens before Attack of the Clones, where like where Tuku is tasked with figuring out, okay, 
who are we going to get to be um, the owner for this clone army? I have to find somebody who's up for the challenge, who's proved himself, and he watches Django at work, and he goes to Palpatine afterwards and is just like, okay, so Palpatine, there's this Mandalorian Hear me who, out. <laughs> who in four days has killed like 6,000 people. like i offered to pay him like a pretty reasonable amount of credits and like there are entire planets that are completely bereft of the life that was on them (laughs) like if this isn't the perfect guy to get then i don't know you're gonna have to find a different apprentice it's a good thing you have like three on the back burner at at any given time (laughs) but this is the guy that makes it that makes it way better <laughs> the knowledge that Dooku was going in to the Clone Wars of thinking there's no way this army is going to lose. I've I've seen the Reaper that is Jango Fett. <laughs> at one at one point he just drops his guns and just punched a guy till he died. We can, <laughs> we can't lose. <laughs> but um, but yeah, that's where it's at for me. Um. So we'll hold on to this for for a little while um, as we issue a challenge um, to the Star Wars division of Disney and say, let's go. Let's do something else with Django for a while. Um, I'd like to see it. But um, everybody, that is it for this episode. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you have stuck through it to the end with us, then we just really appreciate you. Um, of having the desire to hang out with us and listen to us ramble for like for like half an hour on like just like com- Ari Vosa like a character <laughs> like a character who shows up in a PS2 game and like three issues of a comic book like, that's like it. <laughs> thank, thank you for tolerating our our, our utter nonsense that happens when we talk about Star Wars lore. But um, we thank you if you did enjoy this and if you've enjoyed the other episodes we've done. Um, then, homies, we are not finished by a long shot. We have a special themed event coming up this summer that my brother Jacob would be happy to tell you more about. I would absolutely love to tell you all about this. So, as you all know, we started the... E. Hewitt E. Review journey at the beginning of this year, and I cannot think of a better way to celebrate half the year being done than doing our first official event, the Hotter Than Mustafar Summer event, where we are focusing on the number one baddest man in the galaxy, Darth Vader himself. And how we are doing that is we are reading three separate comic book storylines that are all focusing on Darth Vader, one for each month of the summer. Um, The first one for you that we are going to jump right into is going to be the first two volumes of Kieran Gillen's Star Wars run, or Darth Vader run, excuse me. Um, They are, as I have just now been told, they are, uh, volume one is called Vader, and volume two is Shadows and Secrets, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes? Okay. Um, I read them as single issues, so I did not know who, I did not know what they were called, sure. um, unfortunately. I, um, 
But and and if and to to help you out, if you are reading the single issues, uh, it is one through twelve. Um, and if you find number three, um, just hang on to it for a little bit, and uh, that's only going to rise in value. Uh, so just hang on to it, you know, and enjoy yourself. Uh, you know, set uh, set that aside for a little bit because uh, that is the first appearance of, do- of a character named Doctor Afra. And Lord, I cannot wait to talk about her because I love Dr. Afra. Um, but yes, we're going to be going through that um, starting next month. And then we've got two other things we're going to cover uh, that we will talk about on the next episode. But yes, Kieran Gillen's Star- uh, Darth Vader run. Al, if I remember correctly, this is your favorite Star Wars comic run, isn't it? As of right now, it is. Yes. Um, I need to read a little bit more of um, the Charles Soule run on Darth Vader. Um, I'm not I'm entirely done with that one yet. But um, as far as, as as comics go for Star Wars, man, I think I think that's at the top still. It's it's really damn good. It's a solid pick. I mean, it's um, I was uh, telling Al today that I just re- started rereading it and I've already got through the first uh, through the first volume um, in one day. Or two days. I started yesterday, and um, it's fantastic. Like it's just it it hooked me. It hooked me again, and I I know what's coming, and it hooked me. So like it's it's definitely worth checking out, even if you don't have time to to listen to the whole episode, um, or if you don't, or if you're you're worried like you need to like listen to it later or anything like that. I I, I just cannot suggest you checking out these books. Um, just I, I cannot suggest more. Like this is this is this is a storyline that you guys need to look at, especially for having a better understanding of, you know, why I truly believe that the Disney acquisition was a good was a good thing. Um we talked about Jason Aaron's Star Wars run back in March, April, March, March, yes. March February was getting hard copy. Um and the, these run concurrently with them, even so much so that the sixth issue of both of them have basically the same ending, um, just from different perspectives, which is something we will talk about, and it's really cool. Um, but yeah, just read read the, these Darth Vader comics. They're really good, and then listen to the podcast. We are so excited to talk about it, and we are so excited to just – Keep going and keep talking about more Star Wars stuff. Um, if there's things that you guys are interested in hearing our thoughts about, of course, please let us know. We we would love to have more suggestions. I will readily admit I, just off the top of my head, could probably name like an event or a book or a comic or a game or something that I could talk about for probably the next five years, like one a month. But mm-hmm. that being said – we definitely want we definitely want to be here for you all if there's something that you guys want to hear about. So feel free to hit us up on social media. We would love to, to talk to you all more about Star Wars. Obviously, we love talking about Star Wars at minute at two hours and twelve minutes um, on a PS2 Star Wars game. <laughs> so um, so yeah, just let us know what you guys want to hear, and we'll definitely get get to that when we can. So for sure, for sure. Well, uh, we are signing off. For Alan Jacob, a fan of correspondence. Again, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Um, there's um, a whole bunch of content out there on the internet, a whole bunch of people who talk about Star Wars. So if you spend your time um, hanging out with us, then um, that's huge. Um, and and it means the world to us. Um, so thank you very much. Uh, remember, fandom is for everyone. 
even old heads like us who play PlayStation 2 games in our 20s. Um, so, <laughs> so go out there, find something you're very passionate about, and enjoy it. Um, and everyone, please be kind to each other. It's hard out there. So thank you very much and good night.